0: Welcome to Runners on Trail, the Trail Running Podcast by Midpack Runners. For Midpack Runners. I'm Thane. And I'm Anthony. And in the fourth episode of our Cape Roth Ultra series, we're going to be talking about day four, going from Ackner Shellac to Kinlot U. This is Runners on Trail. Episode, well, it's not really, is it? It's episode <laughs> 31 underscore <laughs> four. I think we'll just leave that bit out. <laughs> Runners on trail. So, look, day four, woke up in the tent. All you could hear on the outside of the tent was all... <sighs> of the rain just smacking down the tent, and it was clearly going to be quite a wet day, and they had warned us that the weather wasn't going to be good. But whilst it felt rainy, in and around Aunt Shellac, it didn't feel super bad. I mean, you know, we'd just run in rain for the last three days, but th- they predicted it was going to be worse. And so I doubled up my T-shirts. I put on this T-shirt from the day before on top of my clean T-shirt, because i would got a clean T-shirt for every day, and decided, okay, that'll do. That'll keep me warm, won't it, today? And I had breakfast and was out the gate pretty quick sharp. But it was only a 22-mile day, so I remember thinking I don't need to panic and run out, right? Went down the road, everything's nice, and started up the first climb. And as I'm getting up there, the wind's picking up and the rain's picking up. And I thought, well, this this doesn't feel so good now, does it? And so I stuck on my Pertex shell and carried on running for a bit. And I thought, well, this doesn't feel that good. So I put my raincoat on and then I carried on running. I thought, I'm feeling a bit cold now. And i getting both those items a kit on a bit bit of a nightmare because the wind was really blowing now. And so for the first time... In forever, and I do mean forever, I put on my waterproof trousers to run in. And at that point, I realized that I was actually quite cold Mm -hmm. and thought, "Ooh, this is a bit different, isn't it? And I had a warm top in my bag. But in my head, that top was for utter emergencies and should only go on almost. If I'm getting to the point where I've got to get into my bivvy bag, that's when I want that top. Yeah. There were quite a few people who put on that warm top. And when I think about it now, I think, well, hang on. If you put on the warm top, perhaps you actually stop yourself getting to the point where you have to get in your bivy bag and put on your warm top. I don't know what the answer is. I, I think in my head I wish I'd got that warm top on quicker. But what it did make me do was run quicker because I was desperate to run quick, stay warm and just hopefully the weather would get better. So were you ascending at this
1: point still? Were you up high for a lot of this run? You know, was there the prospect of actually, by increasing your speed, you were able to get down again? I mean, how, how did the dynamics of the, the altitude affect the cold and your thinking at this time?
0: Yeah, so you do a big climb almost straight out of the camp and then go over the first peak and then down into a valley. And that's where the checkpoint is for that day, uh, which I think was about 15k. And then you then do another climb, effectively, up and then down into another valley and then another climb and then back down into camp. So, But they're not super high, the other climbs, but that first climb felt quite high. So yes, it was getting over the top. And I hoped that by getting down to the valley, things wouldn't be so bad and I'd be less exposed. Well, good morning from day four of the Cape of Ultra. just gone through the checkpoint for the day which is at 15 kilometres I did that in about three and a quarter hours which in the end I'm quite pleased with because the weather today has been truly horrible really strong gusts of wind up to 50 miles an hour driving rain I decided not to wear tights this morning when I came out and that was a mistake I ended up putting on my waterproof trousers just to try and keep my legs warm and it worked an absolute treat but they're not the best things to run in really so I've taken them off again now because the weather has cleared a bit for a start there's very little rain but people were properly togged up and now sort of peeling off layers but I've still got two t-shirts on and my Pertex top and my waterproof top just to give you an idea. Something I would say if people are looking at kit for Kate Roth is make sure you run and train in your kit. The stuff I was taking out with me each day was my fairly lightweight set of waterproofs, the pair of waterproofs in fact that I bought for our first ever trail marathon, which mm-hmm. is the Scarfell Pulse Trail Marathon, where you had to have a pair of waterproof trousers. So I bought the, you know, 84 gram Innovate Ultra Pants, which I had no intention of ever wearing. They were there to pass kit check. And when I started running in them, there was nothing intrinsically wrong with them as a trouser, apart from the fact they were just an elasticated waist. And they just started to fall down. And I ended up sort of with a crutch around my knees. <laughs> and then I'm pulling it up and having to run along. Now, someone afterwards said to me what I should have done. And again, all these things are born from experience. was tuck the waistband into the top of my shorts. Yeah. Because that would then have held them up. And it was because I was wearing shorts that I'd had to put them on. If I'd been in tights, it wouldn't have been so bad, I think. And there is also a bit of these races where... Over the days, you're getting more and more tired and you're taking more and more out of your body. And I'm absolutely sure that on day one, that weather would have bothered me a lot less than it did on day four, when I've run over 100 miles of this race already. So then we started climbing up somewhere called Ben Eye, and you get up this beautiful climb and come out by this sort of, you know, small lock, tarn, whatever you want to call it, with a waterfall cascading down from it. It's one of those beautiful bits of the course. If it wasn't in absolutely honking weather. And I can remember going across this river that's coming out of the tarn that goes into waterfall and I think there might have been stepping stones but everyone was so desperate to get across people just running through the river and not even bother trying to do the stepping stones or running around it just because the weather was so bad and I had one photo taken of me by the official photographers that day and it was up there and they were nowhere else and I'm guessing that's because the weather was just so awful and you get through that bit then and You start to try and traverse around this mountain. Now, you asked me in the last episode about tussocky ground. Yeah. And I said it was like boggy. This day, of all the days, had the most tussocky ground. And you're trying to contour around. I think it's about 400 metres. They say you should stay above, otherwise it's really boggy in the sort of valley area. I do wonder whether I'd have just been better off because you're so wet just going into the valley and running through the bogs. Mm. i questioned it several times because I've been back since on the Cape Trail hiking and tried to do the same thing again, and it was really difficult again to try and contour around this really steep mountain rather than just going in the valley and sucking up the bogs and just running up rivers and things. Probably have been an easier thing to do. So when you say scribe tussocky, it was that
1: just difficult to run on because it's it's that kind of very small dense
0: um, moundy. <sighs> Well, so the first bit was it was a a quite steep slope with tussocks and stuff. So you're trying to slide your way down to get to the right height to contour round. Then you're trying to contour round and it's lumpy and bumpy and rocky and then and then just big lumps of grass. And then there'll be a sort of 10 meter climb. You go to the top and there's no way down the other side. And you have to try and work out where you're going to go. And yeah, it was just a difficult, difficult day. Mm -hmm. And of course, the weather's there. So you're at, I was actually pushing myself a lot harder than I ever intended to. That day was going to be my bimble along. I'd even planned to sit down at that time and have something to eat and sit with my feet in it and rest. But it was really cold mm. and really bad weather. So then we carried on through that valley and up the last final climb to what then was going to be, we'd been sort of told by people we chatted to, a fairly decent track trail run down. And it was And it really, really was. But it was really, really cold again. And to give you an idea how bad it was in terms of cold, one of the runners went down with hypothermia. And I mean really down with hypothermia. Medevacked off. Hospital for two days. Which just shows you, I think, how dangerous some of those conditions could be. And this is May. I mean, and it wasn't cold as such. It was just a combination of, I guess, some hail. So maybe it felt like it did. But it didn't feel cold, cold. It was just a really big wind. And... Yeah, not good at all. It's that whole thing about is isn't it? The danger of, of being wet and windy. Um, yeah. It doesn't need to be minus 20 to be dangerous. No, but it really does make you think about your kit mm. and stuff like that. And in the lead up to this run, I'd questioned some of the comments I'd heard from the team from Oria online, which I'd felt were a bit harsh to people who were asking questions of them. I felt they could have been a bit more nice about their answers because some of their answers were... Well, I'm sure you'll figure it out rather than trying to help people with some of their answers. And that day, it kind of hit home to me. I kind of got it in that if you're having to ask really basic questions of a team for a a race like this, I think probably you're not ready to do the race. If you haven't got enough experience to answer the most basic of questions, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. And that's not to say you can't. There was someone who did this race who'd only ever run one ultra in their entire life. Mm hmm. A single day ultra, and they did really, really well. But I think in general, this you, this is something bigger than anything I'd ever done before, and I was glad of all the experience that I had.
1: Yeah, so it benefits to have adventure experience over and above ultra experience. And don't get me wrong, you can get that from doing ultras. But, yeah,
0: but and I've, as you say, and I've been in some gnarly conditions before. You know, I've worked in Norway in the winter, out in the wild. So I'm fairly comfortable in cold conditions and how to sort myself out but even on that day there were a couple of times where I thought this is a bit sketchy here you know I'll be glad to get off this hill I'm glad it's only 22 miles today but I got into the camp in pretty good time I say pretty good time I think it was still sort of seven hours to do a 22 mile day because of the conditions and trying to contour around that mountain so day four don't expect it to be easy if you're going to do the Kate Roth Ultra because it is definitely not going to be What I did get, though, was a great opportunity to talk to Paul from my tent after I'd done the run that day. And he, of course, had been cut the day before, but had decided to stay with the race.
1: Yeah. So there was an option, as I understand it, that if you were cut, that you could just then be transported to to go home, or you could continue in the race as an unranked runner. How did that work?
0: Well, let's listen to Paul, and hopefully that will explain it. So I'm sat here with Paul. Um, who's sharing my tent uh, the tent that now I'm sharing with a load of people I've never met before because of the seven people that started in my tent at the end of day three I was the only person left in the race which is a bit weird um, I have to say uh, and Paul, bless his cotton socks he's out because he's injured not because he's not got the ability which is clear how does it feel? Um,
2: yeah um Nicely said, thank you. Um, I, yeah, I think I do have the, the, the right mindset and the ability to have completed it if I wasn't injured. Um, um, so day one, really good day. Day two was a really good day. Day three started good. Um, and after the first pass, um, my calf and uh, uh, hamstring on my right leg um, seized up and I just couldn't move my leg um, uh, and I wasn't able to keep pace enough to make uh, the cut-offs so I got timed out um, and that sort of like, left uh, everything in, uh, up, in, up in the air about whether I'd stay with the event or not and um, one thing that's unique about this I guess compared to other races is that it is yes it's a race but it is also an experience and an expedition um, to the northwesternmost point of Scotland at the Cape Raff uh, Lighthouse and, um, and Shane and the event crew really want everyone to see it regardless of your race status or whether you're non-competitive um, and they make that possible by um, providing insertion days um, or um, half days if you start from camp and get picked up at the next checkpoint so that if you are non-competitive you can still stay with the event um, and um, run as much as you can walk as much as you can hobble if you have to um, but you can still get that experience and um, as long as you put in a shift every day you can still see the lighthouse on day 8 and I just think that's absolutely fantastic and um, I
0: do and
2: there is a little bit of me kind of, it's very envious of you I'm on an expedition holiday now rather than an expedition race so I can just sort of have a 9k jog tomorrow
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> whereas I've got a... Uh, 44k 44k uh, gruelling um, weather experience yeah and the weather is looking
0: pants yeah, so what, what have the, 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 the uh,
2: mountain rescue team been going around advising
0: everyone yeah so the mountain rescue team have been telling us to wear the thickest waterproofs we have extra layers um, I will be wearing tights tomorrow definitely which I didn't <laughs> do today um, and I'll probably be wearing the layer I've had in my bag as, as my spare synthetic layer and putting another set of mm. synthetic stuff in there um, It's not been a good day. There was a guy um, who had hypothermia on the hill, and it was pretty horrible, really. Um, Yeah, and it just shows you how brutal the Highlands can be. So that was Paul, and yeah, exactly as you kind of suggested. You could do a little bit of each day um, if you'd been cut. Now, until this year, that wasn't a right. They'd accommodate that if they could. But from next year, because they've never failed to accommodate anybody, they've made it now a right of anybody running the race that if you get cut and are still able to run on each of the individual days, you can run a bit of it and still, as Paul said, get to the lighthouse at the end of it. That's really good because he says it is an adventure as well as a a race,
1: isn't it? So the fact that you are doing that distance, do you have to complete the whole distance or you're not quite sure? I guess they haven't decided exactly how that would be.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if they have. But I genuinely think that in some ways he had a much more enjoyable week from that point onwards than I did. Yeah. You know, it was a short day. They they got dropped in, I think, to Ullapool, got fish and chips one day before they started running and all sorts of stuff. So I'm not saying I wouldn't have wanted to have it. Of course I wouldn't. But there is that bit that if you're doing it kind of like I was as a way to do the Cape Roth Trail, and you're not fussing about doing all of it, but just want the experience of running in the Highlands, that it is great. And of course, you've paid a lot of money. This thing was 1,800 yeah. quid. So if you had to give people still a decent amount of their money's worth, I think is, is a good
1: thing. I think that's really commendable for the organisers to be able to do that. As you say, it's a, it's a massive investment, not just the payout to them to be able to run it and, and put all the facilities on, which obviously, as we've discussed, difficult to do over the course, but also the you know equipment investment and the mental investment You know, to just be cut you know, on day one or day two and then lose that. And not have enough to take away from it. It's
0: really good. It? I think so. I think so. Because <clears> I think to, to have to come back and pay another 1800 quid to try and do something. I know this, you know, when I spoke to Paul at the end of it, because he clearly ran all the way to the lighthouse in bits. He said, that's it. I don't need to come back. Yeah. And I think that's good. Yeah. So that was day four. But as you heard at the end there, as bad as the weather had been that day, they were predicting it was going to be even worse on day five and they had a mountain rescue teams there literally talking to each person when they went in to get their food asking what kit you got what you're going to pack the next day what you were going to be wearing to try and get you to understand how bad it was going to be the next day yeah in the end the next day was different than anybody expected in some ways good and in some ways possibly not so good but we can talk all about that in episode five (laughs) Runners on trail.